0: The emotion is tied to this idea that is, if you look this way, you will be happier. Mm-hmm. You will have an easier life. People will like you more. I mean, they're they're pretty overt about it. And so what's hard is, you know, we go to combat these emotional seeds that are planted in us. And especially at a young age, it's, it's especially hard to even be able to... to see where they are in a young person who's just growing up. But we then talk the person through logically and it doesn't always work. And we're kind of frustrated. Well, why isn't this working? I've told you you're God's creation and mm-hmm. I've told you I think you're beautiful. Well, mm-hmm. thanks, mom. You know, it's, <laughs> yep. it's, it's all true. And, yeah. it's, and it's, it's almost like the way we deal with our own self-talk. A thought arises we know it's not true but yet there it is sometimes it doesn't Mm -hmm. just go away that easy because it's it's tapping into that emotional part of us that we've just seen it so much and we've heard it so much so back to this parent i i would want them to really think about that this is something that's striking your child on the emotional level logic alone isn't enough to to help them through it
1: Welcome to Compare To Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. But God, in his grace, he showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free, too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you need to know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and a blogger at comparedtohu.me. And you just may have seen my epic bake fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and tell a friend about it. Hey, welcome to the compared podcast. This is Heather Creekmore. And today I have a very special guest. His name is Sean Coons, and he's an author, musician and an educator living in Redondo Beach, California with his wife and son. He's written for The Atlantic, The Christian Post. He's covered topics ranging from history to culture to Hollywood, and he's toured the United States and abroad as an entertainer. Sounds interesting, huh? His work in the field of body image, though, is why he's on the show today. He has studied psychology and social behavior at UC Irvine and counseling psychology at Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles. And this guy has written a novel called Body. And it's a faith-based comedy exploring body image and intuitive eating based on biblical principles. Sean Coons, welcome to the Compared Who podcast.
0: Thank you, Heather. It's a real pleasure to get to talk to you and to your listeners. I really appreciate you having me on.
1: So I'm going into like, this is completely new ground for me because I've never had a man on the show before. (laughs) So you're the first. Honored,
0: you're the pioneer, (laughs) Sean.
1: So, (laughs) so you and I, you and I connected a couple years ago because you were looking for body image resources for men. I think, Um, looking to see what was out there. You were probably doing research now that I think about it. But Mm -hmm. I know that you have a personal story. On this issue. And I'm wondering if you would share that with our listeners today.
0: Sure. I'd be glad to. And uh, yeah, so yeah, it was, it was really, I was really excited yeah. when I learned about you. I think I contacted you right before compared to who was coming out. And it was just uh, very exciting to see that not only were we talking about the same topic, but I think we were coming at the topic from a very similar perspective, yeah. uh, which was great. And uh yeah, it was a real real blessing to find you and to connect with you and I really appreciate your encouragement. So thank you again for that. Sure. And yeah, to to tell you a little bit about my story, I uh there's probably a lot of different pieces to pull from and tell, but I think the more interesting part for me to share would be where I was at in my mid 20s. Okay. And I uh, was in the music business or trying to make it in the music business. I played in bands and I was uh, up in Hollywood playing all the time and uh, just having a great time really with my music. Uh, School was going well. I was in college and then graduate school. And through that time, uh, I found myself uh, being a little indulgent, living out of home for the first time, uh, not watching how I was eating, and I gained a lot of
1: weight. Okay.
0: And it's, it's interesting when I think back, it didn't really bother me a whole lot at the time. But but it started becoming clear to me that this this could impact my career, my musical career. And I was in, I would say I was in a prodigal son stage as well. So I wasn't looking for a biblical way out of this. I wasn't looking for spiritual ways out of it. I was looking at it very practically. Uh-huh. If I look this way, I'm going to have a harder time achieving my goals. And so... I uh, went to a friend, actually a bandmate, and asked him for, for help uh, with this issue I was, I was going through of wanting to lose weight and look different, and we got into an exercise regimen, started eating differently, in it and it was potentially a very positive thing, but I found, I was really surprised to find this in retrospect, that my tendency is to go for goals with a pretty heavy level of intensity, and I did not think that would apply to this because I wasn't good at exercising. I loved eating every fast food place I could tell you what was on the dollar menu, all that kind of stuff. (laughs) It was my thing. So I thought there's no way that that the switch is going to get flicked when it comes to this. Yet it did. And it Mm -hmm. happened pretty quick. And I went from being very indulgent, pretty decadent lifestyle to a little on the extreme side of exercising two to three hours a day. And watching what I eat to the point where it was probably annoying to other people. You know, I went out of town, I would take a crate of my own food with me. So I, I was <laughs> you were that guy. Very intense <laughs> about it. Yeah. I was that guy. And it was, you know, it's, I, I love having funny stories to share later in the moment. It's not always funny, but, but I, I just love it, you know, because my cousins will give me a hard time. Remember when you came to visit with your crate? Yeah, I do. And uh, you know, but, it, but you learn about yourself and, and you realize that, oh, okay, I, I think I'm a little bit too wrapped up in looking better. And, uh, I go through a lot of different things in, in the book, in the novel that I didn't necessarily experience myself. Cause there's so much to this. I, I don't feel like I had a painful emotional experience of this throughout. I think it really was just more of a negative way of being too into myself mm. and really getting the priorities off. And it's one of those things you can convince yourself at the time. Well, I'm just being healthy.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm
0: just looking my best and, and there, and And I did change how I looked. I lost over 60 pounds and I I did not look like the same person. And I became more confident in a lot of ways. There were some good things that came out of it, but it was interesting. It took another friend to point out to me that, If I was really serious about my music, I needed to put some time into that and that I was actually spending too much time in the gym, which ultimately comes down to really spending too much time on my appearance, which was embarrassing to realize, you know, I was doing it yet not aware of it until this friend helped point point this out to me. So that's where things really started to turn a corner for me. And the thing that I was doing to help my musical career look better, look healthier, feel better uh, was going to the point where it was it was making the dream less likely because I was letting my music suffer and then I, I was able to flip that later on. So that's a little bit little bit about an insight into my own experience uh yeah. with, with that.
1: Well, so you're in SoCal. <laughs> I mean, and yes. you know, Southern California has a bad reputation for all of this vanity stuff, right? But I mean, I, I've spent a lot oh, of time yeah. in Southern California, but I've spent a lot of time in Dallas also, and I think they're pretty much the same. But it, mm-hmm. is, it is different than other parts of the world, I would say, in some ways. I mean, there is a pressure that is, I don't know, maybe obvious from just looking around and feeling like you have to keep up with everyone else. But what I hear you saying is that it wasn't so much that that was driving you. It was something internal. Is that a correct assessment?
0: Right. Absolutely. Uh, like you said, it's it's it is different here. Especially, I live right by the beach, and people are very, uh, very, very. Again, there's a lot of positivity to it. They're outdoors a lot. They're exercising a lot. But there's also the the sort of vanity aspect of it too. It's one thing to look on TV and in movies and see people. It's another. They're right around you in your neighborhood yeah. too. And and so there, yeah, there's there is that aspect of it. But yeah, it was very personal to me in the sense of it was very goal oriented. Mm. And again, without your faith being in the right place, it took me right off track. Again, I was spending, you know, two to three hours in the gym is too much time, at least for what I was trying to achieve with my life. I mean, that wasn't really uh, (laughs) taking me in the right direction.
1: And were you married Mm. then, Sean?
0: No, I wasn't at that time.
1: Okay. I, because I would—I was yeah. curious as to how your wife would have responded to that. You know, like yes. that's one yeah. of those things where it's like, it's not okay. But when you're single, you can get away with that. I mean, I was the same way. I mean, I teach, teach an hour-long class in the morning. I teach an hour-long class in the evening and, you know, mm-hmm. work out, mm-hmm. lift weights or something in between all the time in addition to my day job. So yeah. <laughs> It's not and healthy. I love,
0: I, love, I love working out. I, I actually yeah. do enjoy it. And I, again, I was shocked to find that because uh-huh. I, it just wasn't where I was at at the time. But I, I really do enjoy it to this day. I was there last night. I feel like I'm in a good place of balance and, yeah. and I'm always kind of checking you know, why I'm doing what I'm doing and, and, and all of that. But yeah, it's definitely spouses help us balance things. Definitely. They, they point things out. And, and at the point where I met my wife, I had already brought that down to a, a reasonable place, thankfully.
1: Okay. Interesting. Well, so so let's talk about the body image idol. So let's Mm -hmm. kind of go back to your story. So you realized you were pursuing, pursuing your own vanity really at the cost of your music. When did Mm -hmm. the spiritual part of all this come in? Was there a point where you kind of felt God's conviction of, you know, Hey, (laughs) what's going on here? Is that part of your story?
0: I, I I think it was more in a universal way that my whole life, God was doing that too. Not just that one aspect. (laughs) So he he had plenty of things he could point to and say, this is all off track. Let's, (laughs) let's get you back on track and, And it's, yeah, it's, it's actually the same, the same friend who pointed out that you need to be spending the time on your musical career that you're spending in the gym. That same friend God used to bring me back out of, I was just floating off. You know, like I said, I was a prodigal son. I, Mm -hmm. much of my youth I was in the church and then I had about a 10 year period where where I was not and I was heading off in the opposite direction and didn't think I was coming back. Mm -hmm. And, uh, as God often does, has a different plan for us and, and, it's just uh, really wonderful the way it happened. It happened in a, in a way that I was able to really have a lot of good self-exploration along the way. I was able to talk to this other friend a lot and we talked about everything in life, you know, religion, and politics, history, and music quite a bit. And so it was a, it was a big time of change for me. It was kind of rediscovering some, some humility. I was always a pretty uh, introverted person and, and going through all those changes in my 20s, I came out of that shell a little bit but as often happens you kind of overcompensate and this period was a time of coming back to again a little bit more balance and and just seeing that I was floating off I needed God to to anchor me to truth to being good to doing the right things and and ultimately to having peace and you can't have that without God's peace it comes from him so yeah. So, yeah, and that come, was, you know, yeah. again, that was all part of it.
1: Mm. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, peace doesn't come from from getting the body you think you want, <laughs> you no. know.
0: Or, or, or music or anything else. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, you any of those things, if you make it your idol, my, my, my musical mentor that, that I'm talking about, we talked a lot about this, you know, the, the closer you get, you don't ever achieve it. It's not yeah. a, there I am, you know. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter who you are, Beethoven, these guys, you're, you're always – clinging for more unless you have that peace you can experience in God so if you have that peace then you can go achieve these other things and and not put all of your identity into it
1: yeah right your identity
0: needs to be in Christ and then you're free to just make music because you love making music Mm -hmm. and write books because you love that and exercise because it's good for your body and you know it, it aligns things with the right priorities
1: Amen. That's, that's a good word. That's a good word. Okay. So speaking of writing books, why write a novel on body image? Has body image been bogging you down for too long? It's time to get free. My friend, go to compare to who.me, take your free body image awareness quiz, you will learn amazing things. You'll get your results right away. And I think you'll have fun too because, I mean, who doesn't love to take quizzes? Go to who.me. There's lots of great resources on that site, articles about body image and comparison and how you can find freedom through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Check it out today, right after this episode, of course. Let me just tell the listeners like just a little bit of backstory here. So Sean sent me, I guess it was your final draft or close to final draft of his novel. It's called Body. And uh, you sent it to me asking if I would read it for endorsement. And I was like, yeah, sure. So in full disclosure, like I used to just devour fiction, but I haven't read fiction Mm -hmm. for a long time. So I was kind of like, oh, this is going to be painful. (laughs) But I'm like, "I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I, and I was reading on a screen, which, you know, honestly, that makes it more painful. Right. And I could not Hmm. stop reading. (laughs) I just kept reading and reading and reading and and like kids would need things. And I'm like, I'm sorry, uh, I've got to finish this chapter. (laughs) So you're going to have to figure that out on your own. (laughs) So it was, it was really, really, it was really well written. And what freaked me out a little bit, was the facts? I was like, "Oh my word! Like, how is a man writing <laughs> this? Like, <laughs> understanding completely how a woman feels when she's struggling with her body image." So, Sean. How do you know what this feels like? <laughs> no, but why, why write this book? How how did this happen? Like, what prompted this? Tell me about the evolution of all of that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I love your review right there. That was amazing. <laughs> and and just to you, you and I, this is the first time we're talking with audio about it. We've written to each other about yep. this, and I've expressed this in writing. But your initial encouragement meant the world to me. I I know you are an author of a book, and the the self-doubt one goes through and the, you know, all the oh, yeah. different emotions and thoughts as you prepare. And it's such a, uh, you know, it's com- th- coming from your heart and it, and it's uh, putting everything out there for people and your encouragement. I would, whenever I would doubt, I'd go back and read your note. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> I have one, <laughs> one person who has really, you know, shared uh, a very, you know, encouraging words about this. I have a couple of close friends for writers who have done the same and you, you get so much, positive uh, inspiration, and energy from the friends that that support you through things like this. I really appreciate that. And to go back, so to go back in time, uh, uh, the way this came about, uh, after I'd gone through my my personal experience and my weight loss, my background's in psychology. I've been an educator for many years, but I had this training. I was initially going to be a counselor. And so I thought, maybe I'll start a coaching business. And my goal was to help people lose weight. Which is funny because that's not really the intention of this book at this at this time it's involved in their weight and how that all relates to body image and uh-huh. and I had to think a lot about how I wanted to express that in the book but at the time I, I put word out, I want to start this coaching business and a woman reached out to me and we started putting together what was what we intended to have to become a, a a coaching business. It didn't really come to fruition. But as we worked on that, she shared a lot with me books and just in in talking about her experiences and talking to women about how much body image is related to weight loss. And I really hadn't thought about it in those terms so much. And so it was really eye-opening to me. Uh, She shared with me books about intuitive eating. She shared with me uh, just this perspective that that you can 't deal with that topic without dealing with the the body image and the emotions behind it and the history of what a person's gone through and so it really it really changed my focus i i wasn 't really seeking to help people lose weight after that and she and I together were looking more to help people to be comfortable in their own skin with the philosophy that if your body image is in the right place, the weight will go if it needs to go or if you're underweight it'll it'll come up it'll yeah. it'll match what where your body should be. And so she suggested uh, she said hey Sean you should write a book about this and I know I knew what she meant write a nonfiction book uh-huh. you know, kind of something that would help her support our business but coming out of a more creative world my first thought was yes a novel write <laughs> uh-huh. a novel and I, she was very patient oh yes yeah, Sean okay sure I'll support that and, and she was very supportive about it. I was very into Augment Dino's books at the time. I still love them. He wrote a long time ago, uh, 40, 50 years ago, books that taught very specific lessons in the context of storytelling and of a okay. novel. He wrote uh-huh. The greatest, greatest Salesman in the World, Greatest Miracle in the World. Yes. And so I knew right away I wanted to use that model where uh-huh. there's very specific things I'm going to kind of teach through the protagonist experience, but I'm going to do it in a novel. And so I was really excited about that. It kind of took on a life of its own. My, my potential business partner, she actually uh, went into a, the quilting world and became very successful. And I was really excited for her. And I, this really sparked writing for me. I really hadn't written anything substantial prior to this. Okay. And so there was a long process from that point into where it was published. I, I wrote it twice. I wrote it once starting in 2008, 2009. And then several years later, rewrote it almost okay. from scratch Wow! after, after writing some screenplays and, and learning a lot from some uh, friends who are also writing mentors. And so that, that's a little bit about it. I mean, being a teacher too, you know, I wanted to write a book that would, that would help people. And I knew as far as audiences go, in our modern American culture, almost everybody either relates to this or actually struggles with it. Absolutely. And so I thought it's such an important issue. I started you know doing a little research and thought that you know there, there there are more and more books coming up about it, but I hadn't seen anybody treat it in fiction, and I know for myself, I love learning through stories
1: mm-hmm.
0: and a lot of the power of the Bible is told through stories. It works Absolutely. You read a story yeah. you go through that experience with the protagonist and you kind of get to uh, vicariously learn from them instead of learning the hard way ourselves, hopefully so. That's, that's how this Neat. particular book came about.
1: Yeah. I mean, if it's good enough for Jesus, right? Storytelling should be good enough right. for us. And I mean, and that's really exactly. even, you know, even when, when I write nonfiction, I mean, the pushback is always like more stories, <laughs> more, more show, mm-hmm. less yeah. tell, you know? So I mean, that, it's, it's oh, really yeah. an effective way to teach. Hey there. How much is freedom worth to you? That's kind of an odd question, right? When I was in the midst of my struggle with disordered eating and body image, I would have paid anything I had to be free. Truth is, I spent a lot of my budget on things I thought could help me be free, like new diets, exercise gizmos, clothing, but none of those things really helped. I'm so grateful that God showed me the way out. And now I'm passionate about helping others find their way out too. I want them to know that Jesus already paid it all. They don't have to spend another cent to find the freedom they really desire. But truth is, it does cost me something to get this message out, compared to who can't spread the message of Jesus' offer of freedom without the help of women like you. Would you consider making a contribution? Check out Compare to Who's Patreon page at patreon.com slash compare to who. Then prayerfully consider giving $1 or $5 a month, whatever you can to help. Any amount you'd be willing to donate would be a huge blessing and will go directly towards covering the operating expenses of this ministry. Thank you for being a part of seeing other women set free from the chains of body image and comparison. May God bless your generosity. so your main character is named Hope. What was it yes. like to kind of have to be in Hope's head <laughs> or create Hope's head, <laughs> I guess, but, it, but like, how was that? Like, was that, was that a stretch for you to, to think the way she thought, or was it just easy to get there because of how many women you talked to was you know, struggling with this issue and how many books you had read or what was that like?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I, a lot of, it's funny. Cause I didn't, think of it as being surprising at the time but that's always the reaction I get very understandably I I hadn't really thought about it and I I don't feel like it was a struggle to write I when I write a story and it's a fictional story once the characters start taking shape there's this moment um it's almost like a moment where they become real in my imagination and and they start Almost doing their own things. You're guiding it along, of course, and you know what the story is going to be and the the big plot points. And but that that personality comes through, and it's little bits of people you've met through the years, and it's a little bit of yourself, of course, too. And yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm very excited that that you find that a realistic portrayal because yeah, I I don't know what it's like. Uh, I think men and women there's a lot more overlap than than maybe people realize sometimes. Mm -hmm. Men might not express it as much, but it's in there. You know, as far as how we you know, how we view our bodies. It's, sure. it's definitely there the the Venn diagrams aren't completely over top uh-huh. over each other, but they <laughs> there's there's quite a bit of overlap, I think. And um, you know, what used to be pushed more on women about beauty is very explicitly more and more being pushed on men and being pushed mm-hmm. on younger and younger people. So as a teacher I've seen it come up in the language and the way the kids speak about their bodies and I've seen it growing more and more with the boys being very aware of six packs and, you know, muscular Mm -hmm. bodies and all this stuff that you just didn't hear 20 years ago. And so, yeah, maybe I relate to it in in that kind of a way. I I did try to tell the story in a way that I thought would be appealing to a female audience. Um, But it's interesting. One of my best friends read this and he said, I you know, I can see, you know, you're marketing this towards women, but you should be marketing it towards men. It's just as important for men. And and I was excited that he, he related to it. It didn't have to be a male protagonist to get the, you know, the point of the story, of course. So yeah, I I hope just from listening to people and talking to people and reading books that 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 was able to come through, but it was, it was so much fun. And I love in a book or a screenplay when that moment comes where hope is sort of real in my imagination. There's another character, Lilith, who was the easiest character ever to write once she uh-huh. kind of was formed in my mind? She always had something sassy to say. Yep. I was like, ooh, okay. Oh, man, I might have to tame that one down, Lily. <laughs> but it yeah, was a she, lot of fun, though.
1: She, she was very LA, <laughs> at least in my mind. She was very stereotypical LA. But uh, have you ever oh, seen yeah, that definitely. movie, The Man Who Invented Christmas? Have you seen that movie? No, I haven't seen that. It's it's about no, Charles Dickens writing A Christmas Carol, mm. and like all the characters come alive, like when he gets writing, and oh. you know, like it's it's really interesting. <laughs> you probably like it, uh, but anyway, yeah. that, that's a little aside. Mm. It's, it's funny. So you mentioned about how it's not funny at all, actually, but but how boys and men are struggling, I think, more with this than ever before. And I vividly mm. remember there was a guy that I worked with, and um, and he just always struggled with being small just being kind of a thinner mm-hmm. built guy and I remember one time so I was in my 20s right this is a long time ago mm-hmm. and I remember one time I dropped something like a bag like a tea bag or something like between like the end of the kitchen counter in our office and the water cooler and there was this real narrow space and you know he doesn't know that I had this super complex about like my body and my size and I remember him saying Oh, I'll get back there. I'm smaller, <laughs> and I am like mm. <laughs> petrified. I'm like, oh my word! This man has just told me he's smaller than I am. <laughs> like, you know, and at that point, I was just in the deep of it. So I'm like, oh my word! Like, I'm not going to be able to eat for like two weeks now that he said this to me. And you know, and he at the same time thinks like he's being, you know, I guess humble maybe or right. or self-deprecating by mm-hmm. you know by calling attention to uh, his body image issues but i think you know that was a while ago but i think it's gotten worse like you said and and what i'm seeing and what i'm reading and um what i'm hearing from people is that their sons are struggling with body image just as much as their daughters are and their sons are thinking about yeah. Dieting and losing weight, and their sons are the ones that don't want to take off their shirts at the swimming pool. It's we've kind of all gone mad on this front, and yeah. So what what do you think you would say to a mom whose son? is struggling. I didn't have this on your list of questions, Sean. So we're going rogue here, which mm-hmm. I do a lot. We go. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but hey, you're, you're an educator. I know you deal with kids and that means you deal with their parents too. What would you mm-hmm. say to, to a mom or a dad who's got a son who's struggling with this issue? Would, what would you counsel them?
0: That's a, that's a good question. I, I think I would, I would want to point out to anybody you know, working with somebody younger that that these types of issues are so emotion based. The mm-hmm. the reason we all, I think, are are pulled towards seeing ourselves this way are, and not to put all the blame on advertisers and entertainers and Hollywood and all that, but they really are psychological experts on how to manipulate mm-hmm. our thoughts and our views of, of things. They know that pairing certain images works, and it and it elicits this emotion, and the emotion is tied to this idea that is. If you look this way, you will be happier. Mm-hmm. You will have an easier life. People will like you more. I mean, they're they're pretty overt about it. And so, what's hard is, you know, we go to combat these these emotional seeds that are planted in us, and especially at a young age, it's it's especially hard to even be able to to see where they are in a young person who's who's just growing up. But we then talk the person through logically and it doesn't always work and we're kind of frustrated well why isn't this working i've told you you're god's creation and Mm -hmm. i've told you i think you're beautiful well thanks Mm -hmm. mom you know it's (laughs) it's it's all true and it's and it's it's almost like the way we deal with our own self-talk a thought arises we know it's not true but but yet there it is sometimes it doesn't just mm-hmm. go away that easy because it's it's tapping into that emotional part of us that we've just seen it so much and we've heard it so much so back to this parent i i would want them to to really think about that this is something that's striking your child on the emotional level logic alone isn't enough to to help them through it you and i have already talked about the ultimate solution is really really having this strong relationship with god and sometimes that's sounds vague to somebody, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, to an adult and and to a child Mm. as well. Um, The older I've gotten, the more I've, I've respected the word surrender where I'm just Mm. kind of, okay, there's nothing I'm really, (laughs) there's nothing fighting this is going to help surrendering it, letting it go. Literally, you're giving it to God and you're, and you're just enjoying what he has given you is is so beautiful. Easier to say in my late forties than it was, you know, when I was a child. So to the child, to the parents, I would say to Definitely watch what they're watching Mm. and be there talking through it with them. These kinds of techniques that I mentioned earlier do work even when you're aware of them, but it certainly helps to have mom's and dad's voice in your head saying, hey, don't forget, this is an advertisement. This is a... Uh, somebody trying to sell something to you and to try to create a, an emotional reaction in you. And that helps because that voice will be there too when when the child is feeling that. And, and giving them good role modeling, I tap into this a little bit in, in my book. And I think all of us as parents have to be careful about this. What do your children see in you? Do they mm-hmm. hear you talking about yourself negatively or other mm-hmm. people negatively? Because that gets internalized too, and that's even more powerful than what what a child's going to see in a movie or a TV show. So, yeah, I would say just yeah how how we're modeling our own uh, relationship with our body, how we're helping them interpret the culture and the world around them. It's not a it, it looks friendly the culture and it's smiling at us a lot mm-hmm. of the time, but you peel it back and it's, it's not so friendly and to just be there helping your child to interpret this culture and have that voice in there at all times, having discernment. And, and, um, yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's a complex thing. It's not an easy answer, but it's really just walking alongside them and helping guide them through this. And yeah, I think, I think that's what I would share with the parents.
1: Yeah. That's, that's really good. Yeah. My, my new hobby, well, hobby is a a strong word. (laughs) I feel like I've been doing it a lot lately is when I'm checking out of the grocery store, I take a picture of the magazine covers that are Mm. like the celebrity that, you know, everyone thought was perfect, if you will, with the headline Mm. that says, you know, my struggle with whatever. Like the one I did last week was Jessica Simpson on the cover of, I don't know, People or one of those magazines. And it was like my struggle with addiction Mm -hmm. because I feel like so often We just look at the pretty pictures, (laughs) you know, and, Mm -hmm. and we Mm -hmm. miss the reality that these are real people. And even though they have the body, they're still suffering. They're still struggling. Like the body didn't save them from any of that. In fact, in some ways, maybe it made it all... (laughs) even more complicated. That's really good.
0: I was going to say that it's interesting with body images that it, it, people don't realize it. It often doesn't correlate with what a person's body looks like. Some yeah. of the, you, you read some of the stories of some of these models and they have the worst self image and the greatest fear of losing it. These uh, mere mortals that don't look like the, uh, you know, the, the magazine covers, we have to come to grips with all of that along the way. They are being told that your, your image is everything.
1: Absolutely. This is it. This is yeah. why.
0: And, and they have to live in that fear that if anything else, time alone will remove that. And yeah. so, yeah, a lot of them struggle just as much as, as everybody else, yeah. if, or if not more sometimes. It's their identity.
1: Like, so. It's absolutely their identity. Right. And, and, you know, I've had, I've had other guests where we kind of talked about the harsh reality that it might be those little girls that, that were constantly told how pretty they are. <laughs> through high school mm-hmm. that are struggling more than the girls they weren't lauded for that right. so it's it's interesting how I think there's obviously we want to edify each other exhort each other build each other up but when all you hear about is how pretty you are and that becomes that becomes your identity it sure does seem dangerous to to lose that in any way well shifting gears as we kind of tie things up here today what if and I know this is the case because I've gotten their emails what if there's a woman listening today and her husband is the one who's struggling with his body image and maybe he's turned into the guy that's in the gym two or three hours a day or maybe he's Hmm. not turned into that guy and he's just down and depressed. How mm-hmm. could that wife encourage her husband in all this? Any any piece of advice there? Sure.
0: I've, I've been thinking about this a lot this week because uh, again, it's tricky when you see a problem in your spouse or you mm. see a problem in somebody else and you reach out to help them mm-hmm. uh, because that can often backfire or it can not go the direction you think it's going to go. It can, it can feel like Hey, spouse, uh, I don't like this about you. And once you <laughs> fix that, my own life will be better because yeah. I have this vision for my life and you're part of that. And so it's, it's such a delicate balance, especially when it comes to the body. I know, um, I think going in either direction, husband to wife, wife to husband, we want to be delicate about you know, how we approach these things. The, the bottom line I came down to thinking about this was is that just really doing anything we can to, to create a strong, supportive relationship and strong marriage in general. Mm-hmm. So that the the person feels, uh, if, if they're having a problem with their self-confidence, with their own body, but they're not in their marriage, at least that's a safe place. That's mm-hmm. a place where they do feel loved unconditionally within reason. And and they do feel respected and they feel they can be free and truthful. They can try new things uh, that that might fail and have that be a safe place for them. I know at church, they have a marriage class that my wife and I have gone to in the past and they would go through these great books like Love and Respect. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've heard of that one. Yep, by yeah, I like Emerson. that Emerson, not, not sure Egrich? how to say his last name.
1: Yeah, Rich, I yeah, think, Great, yeah.
0: and, and then The Five Love Languages, Gary Chapman, mm-hmm. All these all these things that build a strong relationship from where you can then deal with difficult things whether it's body image whether it's some other other problem it seems like everybody has some kind of problem to deal with and mm-hmm. strong relationships are such a great place I'm I'm blessed to have just the best friends in the world and there are people I can right. talk to They're people I can be honest with they are people I can be inspired by and in marriage we hope to have that and we can we can kind of grow from there um, that's that's my thought it, you know yeah. as opposed to going for it in a targeted kind of way. Like, Hey, let's fix this instead. Let's, let's have a real strong bond. And then we can help each other in each of our spaces that are, that are experiencing difficulty.
1: Yeah, that's good. And I mean, what I hear you saying in all that too, is be in community, right? Because I think so many times our issues just grow exponentially and we don't even see how much they grow and mushroom and I don't know, explode when we're not in community because I mean, we just get in our heads. (laughs) At least I do. where it's like, you start to think you're the only one with this problem and your marriage is the only one that's struggling with this, or you're the only person struggling with this. And when you get in community, you know, those lies that the enemy bombards you with are, are kind of exposed. And then you can get, good counsel and good support and have other people speaking into your marriage, speaking into your life. That's always a good idea. So I, I love that, Sean. That's, that's good advice. Good. Sean, would you tell everyone where first tell us where we can get your book, all the places, and then how my listeners can connect with you? Sure. It's uh, it's for sale on Amazon.
0: Uh, I've got, you know, paperbacks, hardback, there's uh, an ebook uh, all available through Amazon. Uh, where else do we have it on? Um, Barnes and Noble. It's on Apple. It's on Google Play. So anywhere online, I have it for sale locally. If you're in Torrance, Sam Piper Books, shout out to my favorite bookstore. They awesome. have it for sale, but otherwise it's, it's available everywhere online that you buy books. I do have a website, seancoons.com. If you don't know how to spell my name, I understand it's, but body, the book comp will get you there too. So that's, that's just like it sounds. And so I love to connect with people. I have social media, which are all linked through my website and, I uh, would love yeah, to have feedback from people, what their, what their experiences are like, if they read the book, what, what they think about that. I would love to hear that and uh, interact with, with readers.
1: Awesome well, I'll put all of those links in the show notes, so there won't be any spelling required <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so they can find you well, Sean, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Really helpful to get your insight and and just can't wait to see what God does with you in this area. I think it's really cool okay. that you're uh, you're helping people. On this important issue. So thank you for thank, that.
0: Thank you, Heather. It has been an honor. I really appreciate uh, everything you've done uh, in the lead up to this book, as well as uh, having me on your show today. So thank you so much.
1: Well, my pleasure. Well, that's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you in the next one. Bye-bye. Hey friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah. It's been a minute. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. In a world where relationships are easily broken and often discarded, the Rebuilding Us Marriage Podcast is your lighthouse, guiding the way to hope, restoration, and transformation in Christ. I'm your host and marriage coach, Dana Shea. Join me as we discuss the necessary tools for rebuilding marriages from adversity, betrayal, and disconnection. It's time to reignite love as we rebuild marriages from the ground up. Listen to the Rebuilding Us Marriage podcast on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.